Welcome to the Mission Matters podcast, celebrating the people and initiatives that embody the Jesuit tradition of St. Louis University, celebrating what matters in the 200-year-old-plus mission that is St. Louis U, brought to you from the Office of Mission and Identity. So welcome back, everyone, to Mission Matters. I am thrilled today to be able to speak with Dr. Petruda Lipan, who is the Executive Director of SLU's Museums and Galleries. So welcome, Petruda. It is wonderful to have you here today. Oh, thank you so much for having me and allowing me to share, you know, information and the impressions about St. Louis University Museums and Galleries. So I think most of us who are listening to this have been hopefully, to all of the museums and galleries, but um, what is there that we need to know specifically that maybe we don't know already? I think, you know, I am going to get a little bit academic here, and uh, I'm going to explain and create context for uh, the museums and galleries, so uh, people not only, everybody will not only understand us better, but will appreciate us more and hopefully take advantage of what we can offer. So um, as uh, you mentioned, I'm the executive director of museums, which includes the museums and galleries department, that's Sluma, Couples House and Permarket, and Mokra. The director of an academic museum is a unique position because academic museums have responsibility to not just focus on the arts, but to add context to concepts learned by students in the classroom and raise awareness of pressing issues faced by society. While some directors may see these additional responsibilities as a challenge, a skilled director will identify the inherent synergies in these different responsibilities and harness them to promote the museum as a pillar of the community. Oh, I love that, a pillar of the community. That's, uh, you know, it's not only us as museum, but it's being part of the university and the university, it is a major pillar of the university. So I have been here since uh, February at St. Louis University since February 1st, 2005. I was first hired as a curator, but in uh, 2009, I became the director of museums and galleries department. Again, Sluma Couples House and Permarket. And in 2017, after the retirement of Father Dempsey, Mokra was added to my responsibilities. And I have enjoyed my work at SLU because the work is very stimulating. It is a dream job for somebody that likes to do new things often. So working with different departments keeps us looking at art and its role in society from a different perspective every time we work collaboratively. It brings something new that we didn't consider before and collaborations uh, generate exhibitions that are popular because they are relevant, accessible, and they facilitate access to scholarship and a better understanding of art. And most importantly, we position the museum as a catalyst for integrating and expanding cross-disciplinary exhibitions that create an environment for sharing ideas. So we continuously assess the function of our art museum within the university setting and establish campus-wide relationships. Another aspect of my work is growing the collection. Every artwork or artifact that we add to the collection increases the depth of the collection, which is great for our students and faculty. 
The collection allows students to study artworks directly and periodically they can organize exhibitions as part of their curriculum. And this is very important to us. This is one of the, the most important service that we can provide to the university. A less known aspect of the work focuses on collections and their care. People see usually artworks and artifacts on display. Everything looks beautiful. Everything looks easy. That's how it's supposed to look. However, we have to make sure that the environment in the galleries and storage is maintained within the required parameters of humidity and temperature, that the security is always maintained. That is, again, extremely important. Right. And the artworks on display are rotating according to materials. For instance, paintings can be displayed longer. Works on paper and textile have a shorter display period. These are all very important aspects of our work that people do not get to see. Sure. There's very few people that would even be interested in. If they knew about it, they might be interested. Probably, <laughs> but since they don't know, it's like how you can be interested in something you don't know. Right. So uh, and this is just the, not even the tip of the iceberg, the very tip of the iceberg of what we do. So um, this is in a, in a nutshell, a sum up of what, you know, we are and what we do. Right. So those four different areas you mentioned. So Sluma, Pierre Marquette, Couples House, and Mokra. Mm-hmm. Pierre Marquette and Couples House, those are pretty stable in terms of what's yes. available, correct? We call that a little bit more static. It's because uh, we do not have exhibition spaces. They are long-term displays. We make changes to this display, not so much in Pierre Marquette, which is considered our space, but it is used widely used by the university for different uh, events. We, um, you know, we take pride in everything we do. So um, we, we wanted, you know, everybody that walks in there, because it might not be just university, maybe people from outside. It's a reflection of our university. It's a reflection of our collections. And what is important is to select this place that, uh, you know, if they are not an exhibition, that they kind of reflect the space they are in also. So uh, we consider that uh, aspect when we decided what we would display in Per Marquette. So we selected if somebody takes the time to reflect on it, they will see that we uh, selected artworks with religious themes. Yes. It's because of university being a Catholic university, uh, the history of the university, and the fact that the Berg is the first building on this campus. So all of that, it's all these details are considered when we create a display like that. Okay. Couples House, it's pretty much the same thing. We do not have exhibitions. However, we are adding things. We are moving around things. And that's just about it. It seems a little bit more static than Sluma. And is Couples House the oldest? Yes, it is older than the Burke. Because after Samuel Couples completed the construction of his new house here, St. Louis University did not have the Berg Hall. And when they built the Berg Hall, he was not very happy because it cut his view to downtown. <laughs> Slu acquired Couples House from the Telegraphers Union. And uh, it, it served different purposes before 1970s, middle, mid-70s, when Father McNamee 
decided that uh, this is one of the best spaces for art on campus. Then the house was slated for demolition. That would have been terrible. (laughs) It would have been a terrible loss. Father McNamee rushed and put it on the National Register in 1976. Oh. And uh, because of that, now, you know, it's a historic building, so um, it's safe. Very good. So when did SLU acquire it? Um, I would say in the 1950s. Okay. Yeah. So then SLUMA has also some stable exhibits. Oh, yes. SLUMA, it's a, it's a, a different story. And I'm going to, to go over what is happening in most of them. But SLUMA, you will see, it's where there is the most activity. It's actually the largest building in our department. So um, I hope everybody knows, is at 3663 Lindell Boulevard. And it's in this gorgeous uh, structure, which is built in the Beaux-Arts style. Okay. It seems smaller when looking at it because the two buildings, the Scottish Rite on the right and the Masonic Temple uh, on the left are so big, it dwarfs uh, Sluma. However, it has an impressive 55,000 square feet. And out of these 55,000, 40,000 square feet are divided into four floor of exhibition and displaced spaces. So the Beaux-Arts architecture was an academic architecture style at the Ecole des Beaux-Arts in Paris that uh, ran between 1830s to the end of the 19th century. The style, which was influenced by French neoclassicism, also incorporates Renaissance and Baroque elements and used modern materials such as iron and glass. Uh, we had to had uh, several projects where we had to access the structure of the building and to find out that this building it's actually reinforced concrete. But that was typical of architecture of that time. The building is modern, but they would not depart from the aesthetic of the time. So they embraced this this neoclassical architecture because that was a style that would represent what this building was about. And this was uh, built for the St. Louis Club. Okay. Yes. So first it was completed in 1903. And in 1925, there was a small fire here and uh, they literally abandoned the building. The building changed hands a few times until the university uh, purchased it from Dr. O'Donnell. First was here Allied Health. All this information and a lot more, it's on the website. And in 2003, this opened as the museum. Father Biandi transformed this building into a museum because, like I mentioned earlier, we needed systems to maintain the environment uh, constant. Sure. And so uh, the security, we have cameras everywhere. We, we have environmental controls, uh, everything else that museums need. So on the first floor, there are three galleries dedicated to temporary exhibitions. Aronson Gallery is the largest of them. On the second floor, there are 12 galleries where we display selections from the permanent collection. Okay. On the third floor, we install the collection of Western Jesuit missions. The collection, which is owned by the Society of Jesus, is on long-term loan to the university through the Jesuit Archives and Research Center. Which is also right here off campus. 
Oh, absolutely. It's almost on campus. Right. <laughs> so we work very closely with them and collaborate with them often. So the collection, which is owned by Society of Jesus, is uh, on long term to us. And according to the, to the late father, Jan Patberg, former history professor at SLU and director of the Institute of Jesuit Sources, SLU is the only Jesuit university with a collection that dates to its founding. Oh, wow. Yes. So I was uh, really excited to learn that information. So a, sector, a section of the Jesuit gallery is dedicated to Peter Desmet, who was a Belgian Catholic priest and a member, member of the Society of Jesus. He is known for his missionary work in the mid 19th century among the Native American people in the Midwestern and Northwestern United States and Western Canada. He traveled as a missionary about 180,000 miles. Oh my goodness. Yes. And the transportation then was not what transportation it is today. He was known and trusted by Native American tribes, and he persuaded Sitting Bull, the Sioux War chief, to participate in negotiations with the American government for the 1868 Treaty of Fort Laramie. This is how significant he is to American history in general, not to only St. Louis University. And he traveled to Europe to raise funds. And always when he came back, he brought with him paintings and other items he considered necessary to enrich the lives of novices. And uh, a lot of these artworks are around the campus, are on the third floor, are in couples house. He, he really left a, a very big mark on, uh, especially on St. Louis, but it's... Uh, People even outside St. Louis and outside of the United States are highly regarding him. And uh, the fact that we are get requests to loan items that he brought to the United States, it's a testament to that. And two of the masterpieces in the collection brought by Father D. Smith are displayed on the third floor, and they are the blue celestial and terrestrial globes. Really? Yes. And there are only of these particular, uh, from this particular series, there are only two complete sets and we have one. And what makes it so special that it was just rare? Yes, they are very rare and they were made by uh, Willem Blau, who was a Dutch cartographer and atlas maker and a publisher. And he and his son, uh, Johannes Blau, are considered notable figures of the Dutch school of cartography in the 16th and 17th century. Okay. In 1616, Willem Blau surpassed his competition when he published two globes with a diameter of about 27 inches. And these globes were the largest then in existence and would remain the largest available on the market for 70 years. When things changed, because, you know, the world was not the same, didn't stay the same, it constantly changed boundaries, you know, countries and so on. And they would just print smaller sections and will place them on the globes. So some of these globes have multiple layers on them. Oh, yes. They are made of paper and they are pressed and they have multiple layers. Actually, the pair that we have had to be restored. And uh-huh. they had to be sent back to Europe for restoration because there are not that we could identify only one person that could do it. Wow. 
So this is a very specific skill set that is needed to make sure that the conservation goes right. And I want to make sure I got this right. And DeSmet had those commissions? No, he actually was very good at uh, getting people to donate. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) even better. Something we still do. Wow. Yeah, he, all of these were actually, you know, donated by friends of his mother. And she would constantly promote his work here in the United States on the frontier. When he would go, he he actually wrote books and he would go back to Europe and educate people about life in the United States and life on the frontier. And he would sell the books, but also he would go to fundraise. And part of raising uh, funds, it was not just monetary, he was also bringing these things back, which he very well understood how important the images war for the work he was doing and the Jesuits are doing because we can see that you know even the the Catholic Church how much art they always commissioned sure so keeping going we are getting to the fourth floor which is currently closed but we will open there hopefully by the fall a long-term display of artworks and artifacts from the permanent collections that focuses on world cultures And we are currently working on the, just developing the displays. It takes, you know, quite a bit of research. And then we we are not yet in the design phase, but uh, we are hoping to get there this summer. That is going to be really an interesting display. There are uh, artworks and artifacts that we do not usually use in our exhibitions. We have them in storage, so we decided to change this display to showcase our collection, but also use as an educational tool, especially now in this global world that we live. That's fabulous. So we aim to achieve a balance between exhibiting objects in order to highlight their aesthetic qualities and offering an educational dimension that will facilitate an understanding of the multicultural diversity. So that is the aim of this display. The area devoted to Africa will include West and Central African art, such as ceremonial statuary and masks, that will enable visitors to discover the art forms of the Yoruba, Senufo, Bembe, Bambara, and Pende peoples, among others. Through these pieces, visitors will be able to discover their symbolism and ritual uses. Many of these pieces were reliquary figures or were used as guardian divinity, fertility, or spirit worship. The North American continent will be represented by Mississippian pottery, Native American baskets, pottery, and personal objects. The South American continent will include pre-Columbian ceramics, a Brazilian oratorio, and santos, which are carved figures of the Virgin Mary, St. Anthony, holding the infant Jesus, and St. Peter. The Asian area will include artworks from India and China, and of course, from Japan. Also, visitors will see a selection from the museum's Japanese holding that include ukiyo-e prints and Netsuki's ivory carving. The prints are very traditional wood block printing images. 
So they are uh, really done by um, major artists in Japan, artists in Japan, and also we do have artifacts. And what we do, of course, we are creating context for everything. Everything we display will have text panels and labels that are explaining what these objects were used for and how and um, why they are relevant. We do have pieces from the Oceanic Collection that visitors will see, and that includes art from New Guinea and the Sepik River River area in particular, art from the Asmat people, and a brief introduction to bark painting from Australia. And last but not least, one of the oldest items in the European section, it's an Etruscan stemmed bolt from around 7th century BCE and several architecture elements from 18th century BC. Whoa. So these are only just, it's the highlight of the European section. And this concludes the brief introduction of Sluma, <laughs> which is really brief. So we talked a little bit about Couples House. One thing I would like to, to emphasize about Couples House, and I would like people to know is that on display throughout the house is the Eleanor Tertian glass collection, which includes more than 2000 European and American glass objects. And the collection is one of the largest Tuban collections outside of Corning, New York. And I personally contributed to the growing of this collection as I worked with uh, Eleanor Tertian when she was still acquiring her collection. Unfortunately, he passed, she passed away in 2004, but uh, it's a great legacy she left to St. Louis. And really, when talking about glass, we do really have an important collection. And uh, also a couple's house, visitors can also see a collection of paintings dating from 16th century to the beginning of 20th century. And these 16th century paintings were brought in by Father Desmet. And also, Couples House, it's a historic home, but uh, there are only very few artifacts that are original from the house, from the couple's family. It was, they were in the house when they lived there. But uh-huh. most of the other are just decorative objects. So Couples House, it's more or less of a decor- decorative art museum. Okay. Then Permarket we talked about, and then Mokra. Uh, I think Mokra, David Brinker did a great uh, you know, presentation about Mokra on a previous, although it is part of our department, I think he did a fabulous job in uh, talking about Mokra. And Mokra, just this week, as we're yes. recording this, opened yes. the new exhibition called yes. Double Vision, correct? Yes, yes. My goodness. So do you have a favorite of all those things? Do you have a favorite? No, it's like a parent. I don't have any favorite children. <laughs> they are different and they, I love them all. My goodness. Yes. What has been something in all your, all your work with museums and galleries, what has been something that has surprised or delighted you with the collections you've seen? Actually, you know, our collection is so diverse because it started just reflects way of collecting and who collected at the time, who was, uh, you know, at the helm of the, the museum of Couples House, because before the museum didn't even exist. Right. Couples House and Mokra, but Couples House was first and Mokra came later. 
what is amazing to me is the diversity of our collection, which is really wonderful for an academic museum because it allows us to do more than just art. We can do exhibitions, historic exhibitions, and we did several of them. We did an exhibition about Lincoln's presidential years in 2007 because we are part of the museums and libraries. We actually had an exhibition at the library about the Civil War. You know, that was on display for more than a year there. So that is the most exciting part of what we do. Of course, we do have a vision of collecting, but since our collection is fairly eclectic, the way yeah. we collect, it's like most museum collect. We actually acquire uh, artworks and uh, artifacts via gifts or purchases. Mostly we receive gifts, but we do have uh, several endowments for acquisitions. And periodically we would go and we, we identify an artwork that is very important for the collection and we have the funds to get it because we don't have the funds for everything we want. <laughs> we just go and uh, make a purchase. We are very, very uh, diligent in uh, making sure that it's really our investment makes a big difference. So that is very important. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, this is a totally separate question. Of all the Jesuit universities and colleges in the United States, does every one of them have a department of museums and galleries like we do? No, most of them have either a museum or a gallery. The museums and galleries grew at the university organically. I think they are continue to develop like that. Before 2005, Sluba was separate, Couples House was separate, Mokra was separate. So in 2000, actually at the end of 2004, Sluma and Couples House and Per Market were brought together under the museums and galleries. And in 2017, Mokra was added to the museums. I see. So another separate question, all of the statuary that's outside or even the, the reliefs that are on the sides of buildings, that's not in your purview or it is? Actually, they were not first in our purview, but we do keep an inventory of everything and we keep track of everything. Okay. Uh, however, we were not directly involved in the acquisitions, but we are now monitoring and managing the collection, all the collections. That makes perfect sense. As you speak about uh, maintaining and restoring and all of those things that are so important to artwork, anything exposed to the elements, I would imagine, oh, yeah. would need that kind of expertise in order to be preserved. Oh, absolutely. And the preservation is very important to prevent damage. It's interesting to me, obviously this podcast is about the mission of SLU, and I've been jotting down some of the words you've used to describe the role of art and all the different museums and galleries here at SLU. You've talked about it as a pillar. You've talked mm -hmm. about it as a catalyst. You've talked mm -hmm. about it as a community builder mm -hmm. and as a supporter of all forms of education that happen here at SLU. So is there any way you can encapsulate for us just kind of briefly how you see SLU's mission as being incarnated through your service in the role that you have? Okay, again, I will embark on uh, 
a little bit bigger answer. Sure. During my 12 years as director of museums and galleries department, my team and I uh, raised the profile of St. Louis University Museum of Art, the Museum of Contemporary Religious and Historic Samuel Couples House by fulfilling responsibilities in line with SLU's vision. This is very important to align with St. Louis University's vision of educating the whole person mind, body, heart, and spirit. Yes. And also, we are also educating men and women for others. Yes. So these are all fitting with everything else that I talked before. And the world is kind of noticing that because today Sluma is ranked as the best university museum in the state of Missouri by College Values Online. And in 2020 was featured in USA Today as one of the top 10 university art museums worth exploring. Congratulations. Thank you. We are still riding the wave. We are still (laughs) happy. And another important aspect of what we do is aligning our work with the university mission by adding value to the education of our students. SLUMA offers four annual interdisciplinary scholarships called the Bear Foundation Scholarships. These scholarships offer students opportunities to broaden their horizon and to experiment. And these are all uh, interdisciplinary scholarships. We are not reserving them only for our students. So for example, one of our scholarships recipients majoring in occupational therapy developed an exhibition for the visually impaired. She was, and this happened by just being, you know, she came with the idea, but just being exposed here to the collection. One day when another student was cataloging drawings that were done on braille paper, and that's when the idea came out. So this is why it's so important, you know, to bring things together. That is phenomenal. We are the only museum in St. Louis that has a gallery for the visually impaired at the level we have it. And that was all rooted in a scholarship? Scholarship. This is a year-long scholarship. It's significant, but it gives the students an opportunity to to explore their ideas, to make mistakes. We let them make mistakes. That's a way of learning. But they come up when we encourage them along the way to push the boundaries. And this student identified an artist that makes art for the visually impaired. And we acquired two pieces for this display. She also identified a company in Canada that prints 3D reproduction of artworks by major artists. For instance, one of the pieces is a 3D reproduction of Van Gogh's Starry Night. To the student's credit, Sluma got the company to donate them for the project. Oh my goodness. (laughs) That was the added bonus. Another recipient of the Bear Foundation Scholarship, it was in a different year, continued, and she continued working at Sluma as a student worker. After graduation, she was accepted in the museum studies programs at John Hopkins. This is how we add value to education. This is how we participate in the vision of St. Louis University. We also have one semester long internship that offers a stipend, but that one is only for students in the fine and performing arts. And we do also offer internships for credit. And so these scholarships and internships allow students to think beyond the classroom, to take what they learn in the classroom and take it in a different direction. 
that otherwise they may not have the time, they would not have the opportunity. And this shows students that there are other alternatives and this enhances their imagination, which is a very important aspect in their lives and a very important aspect in the economy, which they will find out. Imagination, yes. it's a very important asset. And creativity. Absolutely. There's so much happening on campus right now to rally around student and employee well-being. What soothing experience it is, what an enriching experience it is to be able to immerse yourself in beauty or in meaning or in value. So I'm just hoping that the different galleries and museums on campus are put to use for people to re-engage that sense of wholeness and oh, yeah. holiness, really. Oh, it helps you reconnect with your spirit, reconnect with goodness, creativity. Oh, absolutely. There is also a field in art therapy. So artists plays a very important role in that too. Our spaces are always open to our students if they feel like they want to get away from the busyness of the rest of the campus, they can always cross Lindell and come here and have peace and quiet to study. We will be very happy to see them do that. Very good. So before we wrap this up, is there anything else that we've missed? It's I would like to add that all our venues are open and we are looking forward to seeing everybody coming back to visit our museums. We welcome students, like I said, to come and study and uh, to contact us, you know, if they have an idea that uh, they would like to pursue that they see they can do with the museums. We are always open to new ideas, to new things to do, and uh, to, to really expand our the portfolio of things we are doing here at SLU. Because although many people do not you know, think that we are doing only art, we actually had one exhibition that is completely outside, that people would think it's completely outside of our scope. And that is an exhibition, it's available now in our uh, virtual exhibits online, uh, it's called Too Hot to Sing. When faculty member Casey Fowler Finn approached me uh, wanting to do an exhibition about the effects of global warming on uh, insects. And she studies, she studied at the time the tree hopper, and uh, it showed that actually the changes in temperature, so the changes in climate, it affects literally the survival of this insect. Wow. So she worked with an artist that uh, recorded the sounds of this insect under different temperatures. And he recorded that. He made everything because these sounds are not audible to humans. So they, he brought them to an audible level. And we actually had an exhibition that was very interesting. And that way we married science and art. So I would like to bring that up and to encourage others to contact us so you know we can do more interesting things and we are always open for them. Oh, what a great way to conclude, to let people be creative in how they oh, might absolutely. marry their disciplines with the galleries. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Petruda, for this. And I so- thank you very much for the opportunity to share what we do and how we do it. Thank you, Petruda. Thank you. 
all of you listening. Make sure to follow us on social media at SLU Jesuit Mission. And if you know of a colleague who is living the mission out loud, but seems to be hidden in plain sight, contact us in the Office of Mission and Identity so we can highlight the good work that they're doing. Until next time, let's remember, especially in this Ignatian year, we are one SLU where mission matters. You can engage the mission intentionally here at SLU, and you can encounter it randomly. But good luck graduating without ever touching it in some way. God bless everyone.